This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, all episodes are currently available completely ad-free on What's the Story Crime. Signing up is really easy. Just follow the link in our show notes. You're guaranteed to find your new favourite true crime listen. From con men to missing people, forensic investigations to miscarriages of justice, What's the Story Crime is the home for all true crime fans who want bingeable, addictive, crime-based content. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. So many horror stories start with a group of young people enjoying themselves. The hedonism and laughter of friends having fun and being carefree. It acts as the perfect lead-in to any drama or disquiet to come. And come, it always does. This story starts in much the same way, with a young man called Alan at home playing Xbox with his friends and having a few beers. He comes downstairs and tells his dad he's going to a party, before heading out of the door and into a night of revelry. He was in a very, very happy mood. He was boisterous and just laughing, joking, not a care in the world, to be honest with you. Alan is never seen again. I'm Pandora Sykes, and you're listening to The Missing, a podcast series brought to you with support from the charity Missing People and investigation specialists Locate International. They've joined together to bring you 20 real stories of real missing people, and they believe every case could still be solved. This is The Missing, Alan Bryant. This story centres around Alan Bryant Jr. and is told to us by Alan Bryant Sr., his dad. As you'll come to see, as Alan Sr. describes his son, the apple didn't fall too far from the tree. He liked to play football. Um, he, loved, he loved football. Celtic daft, just like just like myself. And um, I, he was, he just, he was just enjoyed life. You know what I mean? He enjoyed having a laugh and things like that. One of the things me and Alan used to do quite a lot was actually go fishing. Um, <laughs> sometimes we never caught anything, but sometimes we'd catch quite a lot of fishing, things like that. I mean, 
It was just like spending quality time with my, my son. Sometimes we'd play football, I mean, just things like that. I mean, just like boy and father and son things. We were really good friends and that, and um, I was really good friends with his friends. And um, I got called by Alan because I was older, and Alan got called wee Alan because he was younger. And outside the Bryant family unit, Alan Jr. was equally loved. Everyone liked Alan because, um, I mean, he was, he's a very likeable person. Like any typical young lad, he liked to hang about with his mates, uh, go to their house and have a few drinks, um, play the Xbox or the PS4, or just, you know, just sit there and I mean, chill with each other and, and just have a laugh. Within this group of close friends, Alan always found himself at the centre of the action, and his dad was pleased to keep half an eye on them. Quite a lot of the time, uh, his friends would actually be in my house because I'd rather have them in my house um, knowing they were safe rather than being out in the streets. Alan Senior has been trying to find out what happened to his son on the streets of their hometown of Glenrothes, Scotland, for eight years since he disappeared in the early hours of Sunday the 3rd of November 2013. It was just a normal day. He was upstairs in his room listening to music. Um, I think he was playing some games or something. Then a few of his friends actually um, turned up and uh, they were upstairs having a few drinks. Alan had no plans to go out that night and no money to do so. But later in the evening, he came downstairs to tell his dad that he'd been invited to an engagement party with his friends. He asked to borrow some money. And shortly after 8pm, he and his friends left the Bryant house and headed to the party, which was being held at Leslie Golf Club, a short drive away. They were all clearly ready for a night of merriment. He was in a very, very happy mood. He was boisterous and just laughing, joking, and uh, he was in a really, really happy mood. Not a care in the world, to be honest with you. The alarm bells uh, started uh, setting in on the Sunday, the 3rd of November uh, 2013, because every time Alan's out, he didn't have he didn't have a phone on him that night because actually he broke it a few weeks before. Um, he normally he, he normally phones me or texts me and lets me know where he is or lets me know through Facebook. I was just starting to worry about why he's not texting me, why he's not letting me know where he is and things like that, because he'd he, he done this all the time. As time ticked by on the Sunday, the Bryants became increasingly worried. Alan Jr.'s mum went around to a few of his friends' houses to ask them. You've seen Alan, you've seen Alan, you've seen Alan. But none of his friends knew where he was. That's not like Alan, um, to not be in touch in two days and not know where he is. The following day, Monday the 4th of November, with still no word from their son, the Bryants reported Alan missing. We just felt instantly something bad happened to Alan and in your gut, you know what I mean, in your heart. Um, you, just, you just felt something was wrong. Unlike some of our other missing people's cases, cases which took place before CCTV, before mobile telephone pings or social media, 2013 doesn't feel too long ago, does it? 
It feels like a time where timestamps, photographs, proof of life, those things were all around us. And certain parts of Alan's night were indeed pieced together by witness testimony and CCTV footage. At 9pm, Alan and his friends are captured on CCTV arriving at the golf club, where they stayed until around midnight. Then they headed to Sticks nightclub with a group from the party. They travelled by minibus, a journey easily checked and verified. Friends remember that Alan forgot his coat. He'd accidentally left it at the golf club, so he's seen arriving at the nightclub in just a t-shirt on that very cold November evening. Inside, it was by all accounts a night of drinking, dancing and banter before the group decided to leave. Alan's actually on footage, actually leaving the nightclub around 2 2 a.m. in the morning. And that's the only footage of Alan. We've actually seen Alan, his last movements. Alan had been out for hours by this point, plenty of time to put away a fair few drinks. Was it possible that after leaving the club, he was too drunk to navigate his way home properly? In such an inebriated state, could something have happened to him on the way? Alan Senior doesn't think so. No, Alan could handle his beers. And uh, as, as I watched him come out the foyer inside the nightclub, as I watched him come out, I can quite clearly see that he's had a good drink. But no, I've, I've seen Alan the worst it's not, a lot worse it's not. The exterior nightclub camera hints at Alan's next movements. He's seen sitting on a wall for a moment and then apparently leaving the area. The, the footage which actually the nightclub gave the police, it shows Alan leaving and heading homewards. But early on in the police investigation, suggestions swirled around the idea that the night wasn't yet over for Alan. Various witnesses claimed he was planning to go on to another party, which was being held in a house on Barton Place, just a mile from the nightclub. But bizarrely, no one seemed to be able to categorically say that Alan arrived at the party, which, by all accounts, lasted until 5am that morning. From all the people in attendance, no one had any concrete information. And even stranger, apart from one mention about the party on Twitter, there was no record of it on social media at all. I think about the party all the time, I think about his friends being there and the things I've said. The guy, even the guy at the party, he closed his, his Facebook account down the day Alan went missing. Um, I just... The, the, every, time, every time these friends, these certain friends are out, all they do is post on social media, is pictures and having a good time and, and, and things like that. I mean, they do it every time. And that day my son went missing, not one of them actually posted anything on Facebook. I mean, not one forty. I mean, without having a party. And you've got to remember that it was uh, November uh, the 3rd, it's uh, also Halloween. Uh, a lot of them were dressed in Halloween uh, costumes and things like this. And, um, and that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, because uh, they, they post at any opportunity whatsoever, you know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. You, you, you're sitting there. Wonder.
It certainly does seem odd. In 2013, parties were regularly posted about on social media, particularly among Alan and his friends. But it also doesn't mean there's anything sinister there either. But let's rewind. Let's go back to Styx nightclub. One of Fife's busiest hotspots, Styx was predictably busy on Friday and Saturday nights. The music was loud, the drinks were cheap, and there was usually a sports match playing on one of the many large TVs. It was a favourite haunt for Alan and his friends. But after the night had drawn to a close, what if Alan didn't head home? Or to the party on Barton Place? What if he didn't leave the vicinity of the nightclub at all? I've got two independent witnesses who have came forward and seen there was a, a disturbance uh, behind the Sticks nightclub at 2.15, 2.20am uh, in the morning. A witness reported a disturbance, and hearing two women screaming hysterically just after the time when Alan left the club. It's conjecture, but something which Alan Senior thinks could be significant. Something really, really bad was going down. Find that nightclub around 2.15 and 2.20am. So what did happen behind the nightclub? Could Alan have been involved? Who were the women? Why were they screaming? It's a particularly sore subject for Alan Senior, who is angry at the police for their handling of this piece of the investigation. They, they never went out to see these witnesses, uh, and one of the witnesses until uh, 17 months later. And this is at very early stages of my son's investigation. What about the security footage? Behind Sticks Nightclub is a resident security company who had around 15 operational cameras in place. In the months after Alan Jr.'s disappearance, and with his faith in the police dwindling, Alan Senior contacted the firm himself. He was told that the cameras had never been checked and that, as two months had passed, their contents had been overwritten. Another thing which, to Alan Senior, just doesn't add up. Very strange, you know what I mean? Someone goes missing and even the security company behind the club have not checked their cameras. Alan Senior firmly believes that something happened outside the nightclub which was pivotal to what happened to his son. My son is still present. He never left that nightclub and uh, he, he, he was still present in that nightclub, no matter what the police say. Another lead from the nightclub came more recently. The family came across a report of a black van seen circling the nightclub several times shortly before Alan left. What was it doing? Who was driving? Did they see where Alan went next? Or could they have had any involvement? If you have any information about the black van or anything that may have happened in or around the nightclub, your information could be vital. You can contact Police Scotland or visit our website, themissingpodcast.org, where there are links on the case and details of how to get in touch. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. 
So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's another theory about the night of the 3rd of November, 2013, which we should explore. The week after he disappeared, Alan was due to attend a court hearing for accidentally smashing a window at the village bottle shop four weeks earlier. The bottle shop was a mecca for the locals who'd go there to buy their alcohol, a well-known local landmark, and a business that wanted to maintain a clean reputation. Alan Sr. believes the people who owned the bottle shop were unhappy at the damage, and he immediately tried to defuse the situation. I actually even emailed him, said to them, look, I'll pay for the window, just because I didn't want my son getting any bother. Could the incident at the bottle shop be connected to Alan's disappearance? Well, there's no evidence of any link, but Alan begged the police to explore this further. Eight years on, it remains just something in the back of Alan Senior's mind. Was there more to the window? Had Alan Jr. upset someone? With all the missing persons cases, so much of the narrative is pieced together through rumours. Some rumours lead to truth, others just lead to dead ends. But for the families and loved ones of the missing person, it's often impossible to differentiate between the two. I've heard so many rumours about my son. Your son's been chopped up, you know. Um, he's been starved. I mean, you name it, I've heard that, you know. The problem for Alan Senior is that rumours swirl around every possible theory in this story. Perhaps it was because of Alan Junior's age, his peers telling and retelling the story of his disappearance until it becomes embellished or exaggerated and nowhere near the truth. Or it could be that there's fact within one of the rumours Alan Senior has heard, though police can't investigate any of them without more information. So everything's going through your mind, I mean, and you're trying to deal with that on a daily basis. In 2018, police searched the River Leven after receiving information from a member of the public. The river runs through the town, just a kilometre away from the club. So had Alan arrived there on his own or against his will? The tip-off suggested it was possible, but a search found no trace. We've so far looked at the possibility that something happened to Alan at the house party he attended, or maybe around the nightclub grounds, or perhaps something happened to him as he stumbled home that night. But what we haven't raised is the question about whether Alan had any specific enemies or people who would want to do him harm. The only people Alan Senior can think of are a family who moved into the area near to the Bryants. There was one thing, there was a family moved into a street in Edenham Drive. Um, they moved in. One of the young lads who moved in, he started to talk to Alan and Alan's friends and things like this. And, um, 
which is all good and well, so they'd have a few drinks. But he always, always kept on talking about was fighting, you know what I mean? Like fighting, fighting, fighting. And the boys didn't like that, you know what I mean? There was tension between the two families from the outset. Fights between the boys started happening. Bricks were thrown through windows and it turned into a very personal war between Alan Jr. and a young member of the opposite family. Alan Sr. even heard stories of the animosity. Alan Bryant, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. No talking to me. You can talk about my son. He just hated Alan because Alan was so popular. And uh, Alan, was out, Alan was out with his friends one night and uh, they were at a party. Alan fell asleep and uh, he's walked in there. He's walked in there, I think it was a golf club or something. And uh, he says, and he says in front of them all, it's a good job you're sleeping, Alan, right? I'll fucking kill you. We have to make it clear that there is nothing to substantiate Alan's assertions. But if they are true, does that point to another possible outcome? In 2017, the police issued a search warrant on a house in Barnton Place, an area just over one mile from Sticks nightclub. The house in question was on the same road as the party Alan may have gone to that night. Two witnesses claimed that one occupant had admitted killing Alan. They said they'd been inside the house with the young man when he opened a drawer pulled out a tooth and said this is Alan Bryant's. The police conducted a five-week forensic search on the house in which they determined the tooth was that of a baby. They found no further evidence inside the house. There was once a report of another member of the public claiming they saw the same man covered in blood the night Alan went missing. However, when this was followed up by the police, the witness claimed she got the date wrong. Alan Senior also claims that the man still tells people he was the one who killed Alan, but evidence of his claims hasn't been sufficient to press any charges. In fact, no charges have ever been brought in relation to Alan Bryant. The emotional toll on the Bryant family has been catastrophic. Alan describes it as a daily hell. No one actually really understands what you're, what you're actually going through. I think that's the hardest thing to do is, is like, the years gone, people go, that was a long time ago and things like that. And, um, and you sit there and, and to us, it feels like only yesterday. Like so many of our missing persons families, it's closure which evades them and which they so desperately want. No one can understand that feeling unless they've actually gone, unless they've actually gone through it. Uh, there's no way you can get any treatment or whatever uh, for the nightmares and the bad dreams and the sleepless nights and the bad days. Some days are really bad. The smallest things or smallest tasks seem impossible to do. I mean, it just eats you up. It's like a cancer, like it eats you up, you know what I mean? It's just... It's, it's the most horrendous feeling and heartache anyone could possibly go through. But the Bryants are determined that however much time passes, they won't give up. My family are strong and we'll keep fighting for that one.
On the 12th of July, 2020, Alan Senior submitted a petition to request a different police force take over on the investigation into Alan's disappearance. Alan Senior wants his suspicions to be investigated further. He wants anyone with information to come forward. He wants to lay his son to rest. We know something happened to him that night. We know we're never going to see our son again unless someone come, comes forward and tells the police what, what actually happened that night and uh, tells us where Alan is. I just want everyone to understand what my family are actually going through. How much it's affected us all for nearly seven years. All it takes is that one person is there to contact the police. You could do it so many ways, anonymously, whatever, you know what I mean? Just end this love and hell from our family so we can move on, put my son to rest and so we can move on with our life and, uh, and try and lead some sort of normal life. In late 2020, just as this episode was being finalised, the Bryants got a call. Human remains had been found in an industrial estate close to the area where Alan was last seen. They were told to expect the worst. The press carried headlines suggesting that Alan may have been found. The remains had likely been there for some time. It took days for tests to be carried out. The Bryants found it all too much. So when the news came that the body wasn't Alan, they were flooded with feelings of relief and despair. Relief that the worst news hadn't arrived, but despair that they still don't have answers. We've put the details of this case on our website, themissingpodcast.org. On there, you'll find images and details, not just for this case, but for every case we featured on the show. There's also links where you can share vital information on these cases with the experts at Locate International. They've set up a team to investigate these cases and explore any information that comes in. And you'll find more information about the charity Missing People, who work tirelessly to support the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you've been affected by anything in this episode. We can't say this enough. It takes just one person with the right information to solve any of the cases in this series. The Missing is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. The executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, you can listen to them exclusively on What's the Story Crime. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime.